Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, March 5th, 2021. What describes the United States of America? Well, I'm sure many, many things can pop into your mind in response to such a broad question, but there are two things that come to mind that I think really intersect with our Bible reading today. And one of those things is that the United States of America is a wealthy nation. That's not to say that poverty does not exist in the USA, but when you compare it to other nations of the world, and also when you really compare it to other nations throughout history and in other times, we live in an age and in a culture and a nation really of unprecedented wealth. Also, when you think of the United States of America, you think of a place where people think of themselves as good. Uh, Most People in the United States even think that they are going to heaven when they die. They think that they are okay. They think that they're better than average, even when it comes to morality and things like that. So we have a nation of generally wealthy people. We have a nation of people who think that they're pretty morally good. We basically have a nation full of rich young rulers. And the rich young ruler is someone that we meet today in Matthew 19, verses 16 through 30. Matthew 19, 16 through 30. And here we see a man that come up to Jesus, who now becomes known throughout the various gospels where this story is told as the rich young ruler. And he asks Jesus, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus responds and eventually says, you need to keep the commandments. And the man says an amazing young thing in verse 20. He says, it says, the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? And that's where I would like to pause and say, really, really, you have, you've kept all these. And especially when you consider how Jesus taught about these commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, um, And he describes what God is really looking for in Matthew 5 and not just external compliance with these commands, but really from the inside out, from the heart, Um, you know, not hating anybody, not lusting after anyone, not coveting all of these things. Really, rich young ruler, you have kept all of the commandments without fail. I find that hard to believe. But then Jesus really goes after the young man's heart because he says, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He doesn't want to give up the things of the world to follow Christ. And Jesus then says something that I think should make um, anybody living in the United States of America kind of stand or sit at attention a little bit. When Jesus says in verse 23, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And and so as we think about those words, I think it's a good time for all of us to examine ourselves and, and to consider we live in a culture where a lot of people just think I'm good. A lot of people would respond like 
the rich young ruler and say, oh yeah, I've, I've kept the commandments. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I'm good. And a culture where many people have, in the grand scheme, uh, a decent amount of, of wealth. And we see Jesus saying, no, you're not good enough. And we see Jesus uh, talking about how difficult it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And we also see other passages in scripture uh, talking about the danger of the love of money. Think of First Timothy 6, how the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so since we live in a culture where so many of these things that this rich young man faced and thought about himself are very common, we need to check our own hearts today. We need to check our own hearts really for a a sense of spiritual pride. Do we think that we are good enough? Or do we think that we're Christians because we were doing a better job with the commandments than other people? Uh, if we start seeing those things creep into our thoughts, well, we are not following the path that Jesus has said for his followers. Remember another thing that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, um, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Blessed are the people who know they need a savior, basically. The people who know uh, my heart is a problem. And so we need to continue to have that sense of humility and we need to continue to be people that are poor in spirit, not people who think we have it all. And that even if at one time we understood that, that we don't ever creep into thinking, well, I'm saved because of me, because of what I did, because I was better than other people, because I've kept the commandments. No, we're saved because of the mercy of Jesus Christ. We also want to uh, consider really and check our own hearts for the love of money, which again, in, in our very materialistic society, that won't always stick out as an obvious thing. Um, but are we trusting in wealth? Are we valuing and treasuring riches or are we following Christ? And this can be a tricky thing that while Jesus says it is difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven and we see the Bible speak strongly about the love of money, the Bible does not condemn being wealthy. It even gives instructions throughout scripture to those that have wealth. It even says that, hey, if you follow some of the principles even we see in Proverbs, that will likely lead to financial success. So the Bible is not condemning wealth, but it does want to open our eyes to some of the dangers that wealth can bring and particularly that the love of wealth can bring. So we need to, again, check our own hearts. And how can we do this? I think a couple ways that come to mind, one would just be asking yourself, are you anxious about finances? Anxiety can reveal what it is that we really value. And if we're spending a lot of time anxious about our finances, that might show that there's a problem in our hearts about the love of money. Another question to ask is, are you being generous? And if that, that's one of the instructions God gives to those who are wealthy. And when we give away our wealth, we show, even as God instructed this man to do, we show where our treasure really is. So even those might be two diagnostic questions, but we need to check our own hearts. And as Christians, we must not be people who think of ourselves as good or that we've earned something. And we must not be chasing after just the wealth and the riches and the material things of this world. And that's really a comfort that comes in the the rest of that conversation between Jesus and his disciples when he promises them re- rewards. 
He says in verse 28, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. That those that do sacrifice in this life and say, I'm not going to make this life all about riches for myself, but I want to focus on serving God and his kingdom. That decision will not be regretted. Those people will be rewarded. And so we need to make sure we don't just get sucked into the ways that our culture thinks. We want to have a perspective that reminds ourselves that we need a savior, that we are sinners, and also a perspective that focuses on the eternal as opposed to the temporal. And as we think about really uh, the joy that can come from actually following Christ, we're reminded again now of Psalm 32, where we finish the chapter today with verses uh, 30, or sorry, Psalm 32, verse 6 through 11. And yesterday we saw really the blessings of forgiveness and how that is at the heart of the gospel. But today we can see some of the confidence that comes from someone who knows that they are forgiven. Verse 7 says, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Right, that somebody that has been forgiven, instead of hiding their sin and wasting away, like he described at the beginning of this psalm, now he looks at God as a hiding place, a place where he is delivered with shouts of deliverance. Or look at the last couple of verses of the psalm: "Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright." in heart. Uh, So there we see many are the sorrows of the wicked. If you're thinking you're good and you're chasing after the wealth of the world, get ready for sorrow. But for those that actually turn to God in repentance and faith, they will experience the steadfast love of the Lord and they can be glad and rejoice and shout for joy. Uh, Are those things you're planning on experiencing today? Are you focused on just the temporal circumstances of life or are you focused on the reality that if your faith is in Christ, you've been forgiven, you're on the path towards heaven and you can be glad and rejoice and shout for joy. Uh, what, What great things, what great promises that we have. Now, as we go back to Numbers chapter three, uh, we, we see now as that they're being set up and remember, let's not think of this as numbers. Let's think of this as, you know, armies and preparing for battle. That's, that's what's going on here in numbers. And a lot of it today really focus on the role of the priests, the Levites. It reminds us originally God had said, hey, all the firstborn are going to be dedicated to me. But then as the Levites even take a stand when they make the golden calf, um, God says, actually, I'm going to take the Levites and they become people who are going to live around the tabernacle. Even we see them, they're going to defend and organize the tabernacle as they're preparing for battle. Um, the Levites, they're not going to be going out to battle um, and fighting on the front lines, but they have a very crucial role of defending the tabernacle all the time. And the tabernacle needs to be at the center of the camp. And so then it describes even the different kind of clans of the Levites and, and doing that. But one lesson that came to my mind, even just looking at this was how central the tabernacle was. Even consider yesterday, literally their whole camp revolves around the tabernacle. And then the, the Levites had such a important role, a dedicated role 
to uh, focus on those things. And it made me think, man, is, is God really at the center of our lives? As we think of going to battle every day in our own lives in all the different ways, is God really the one that is at the center of our camp? And are we uh, tending to our own hearts and to the things of the Lord in our hearts? Uh, Those might be things for us to think about as we read Numbers 3 and 4. Finally, let's look at Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 16, a passage that is very comforting to every pastor um, because it reminds us that even the apostle Paul had people fall asleep during his preaching. Uh, And that's what we see here. He's preaching in in this town and a young man apparently named Eutychus is sitting in a window and Paul is preaching until midnight and Eutychus falls asleep and falls out of the window and they say he was taken up dead. Uh, But Paul goes, and I think the correct way to understand this is he raises the boy from the dead. Uh, And so a a great example of God's power that says they're very comforted um, as a result of this. And then we see some of Paul's travels as he's trying to get back to Jerusalem by Pentecost. But as we think today, let's uh, check ourselves against just the prevalent strains of our culture. People thinking, oh, I'm good. People really chasing after wealth and, and all that comes along with it. May we be people who are saying, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and the righteousness that can only come from Christ. And let's set our focus there. And hopefully time in God's word today is a good check on our own hearts in these areas. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.